This is a Pivotal Conversations podcast. People don't realise this, everything is content. So like they used to say, oh, it's just because you're a sports player. What's sports? Sports is content. Sports is entertainment. Say Harry Potter, Harry Potter's entertainment. It's content. It's just in a written form. You look at this, this is a podcast. People want to listen to you. So the entry point for anything in business right now is content. Mm. And you look at guys like Nail Boys who we get inspired by, Logan Paul, the types of moves they're making, it's just built purely off content. What it really means to live like golden. Yeah, we're golden, baby girl, we're golden. They're about to see it shine, cause we're golden. They can't ever break us down, cause we're golden. They're about to see us glow, cause we're golden. Yeah, we're golden, baby girl, we're golden. They're about to see it shine, cause we're golden. Hey guys, just before we head into the episode, if you have been enjoying the podcast, please make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're using, whether you're using Spotify, Apple, YouTube, whatever it is that you're using, please make sure you hit the subscribe button. Uh, It really does help us out a lot. Um, It obviously means more people will be able to see and trust our content. It also means that you'll get that content every week. And, you know, we really do appreciate all the support, all the shares, all the likes, all the comments. All the messages that we get, um, it does help us and, and spurs us on to keep providing more value and, and deliver, you know, quality content to you guys. So a massive thank you. Ice, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, bro. Really excited. I've been wanting to do this for a while. Um, as I was saying before, like the inspiration for what we are doing now has come from listening to the Ice Project and a lot of the early, a lot of the podcasts that you've done previously and your philosophies on it. So. I feel like we'll be able to have a good conversation just about pure business. Cool. Um, but what I might get you to do is we might start, I guess, and, and get a little bit about your journey and, and how YKTR started. Uh, so I grew up in a really small town, very cliche upbringing where I grew up. Um, I was, everyone's dads either work out in the bush chopping down trees or in the mill. Uh, had aspirations to play football. and My dad was always my, my football coach, so I grew around football. Um, I played my junior league and then go be the ball boy. My dad was a coach of the senior side, so mm-hmm. I was always in locker rooms, filled up my time. Um, used to do, like, every night I was doing something. Like, Monday night was, like, Polynesian practice and then training, and then I was always busy doing stuff. So I had a mum that valued education and reading and she knew sports was my favourite thing to do so she basically said um, if you don't do well in school you can't play sports and can't go hang out for your friends so had that nice little balance of all right, you're going to work hard and try and be a sports person but you have to balance that with education as well which has served me really well mm. and in my later life and then sort of just grew that played f- professional football um, kind of will just dive over that but got to a point where I was injured a lot done my ACL snapped my Achilles done my pec and while I was injured I had a guy named Michael Luck introduced me to reading not introduced me to reading but gave me a book to read and gave me my first bit of perspective in life Mm. and just started reading and reading and reading kind of got bored of sports biographies which I was into at the time obviously being a sports person and then just kind of gravitated towards like the secret and and self-development and then um, business and I got to a point when football where I kept getting injured but I'd read about 100 books so obviously your perspective on life goes from like that to that Mm. and just kind of wanted to try something different and decided to retire when I was about 26, 27 and just had a crack at this YKTR thing. Yeah, awesome. I think um, the the reading thing, like, I mean, I I played a high level of AFL when Mm. I was younger and I had like three knee recos before the age of 21 Um, and similar type thing whereas like, you know, it's a lonely, it can be a lonely place being injured when you love something, right? And then reading as well. So definitely, um, definitely feel that, you know, in terms of 
how much reading can play a, a pivotal role in just opening up the possibilities as well. Yeah. Know? And I, I think like you only know what you know. Yeah. 100%. So when I was coming out of my hometown as either my mum said, you either go to uni or you have a crack at football. So those are, or you go work in the, um, in the mill with your dad. So that was like my biggest fear. Like I never wanted to stay in my hometown. I never wanted to work in the mill with my dad. And like, he gave me a great life. Don't get me wrong, but I just knew that wasn't for me. And I kind of knew like education, even though I enjoyed it, like I didn't, enjoy the formalities of going to sit down and, mm. and like you have to be here from this time to that time so like I just saw league as my way out and obviously there's way more options and stuff now but I wasn't big into reading then as well so um, I think the I've just been it's a good time in life right now I, I like I finished school in 2006 it's currently two, uh, 2022 the world's changed so much you think of like Back then, like Shopify wasn't a thing. Mm. Instagram hadn't really even started or social media was starting to just kick off as well. So I've seen the transition of it. I've been able to live pre-internet as well. So I've seen the other side of that as well. So I think I've just lived for a great period of life. Like I was born in the 80s, grew up in the 90s, which was, in my opinion, the best time to grow up. Um, and just sort of developed in my 20s, playing professional sports, having money, and then having time to sort of develop other skills. So mm. it's just been a really good time, I reckon. Yeah, 100%. Did, did you know you wanted to get into business because you said obviously that like education wasn't for you were you kind of like did you have the decision to start a business before you retired or you it kind of took you a bit to kind of get to that point um and football I still felt trapped like I talked about school before so mm. when you're in football like you're told you like, all right you guys gotta be at the airport you gotta wear this um you gotta have this color on all that sort of stuff when you go into the game you have to get to that point to get to this point go kick the corner all that sort of stuff when you go in front of media you can't like I just feel really felt restricted and it wasn't until I was on a um, trip over in Bali and we could only travel in, in October at the time because mm. obviously pre-season and season and stuff like that. And I met a guy who was like living by a laptop, like the laptop lifestyle. Mm. And I think he was just drop shipping or something like that. Yeah, like yeah, cliche, crazy. cliche, trying to get out of business stuff. And I just like, from there, I just go, I, I don't want to work for anyone. I just want to work for myself. My first goal was if I can get the same amount of money I was earning for football, um, while traveling, that'll be the dream. Yeah, and I, I set a bar lower. I think it was like maybe seven to ten thousand dollars a month. I was like, if I can get seven to ten thousand dollars a month, I'm quitting football like straight away. So, um, but like I said, I had that interest through reading businesses. I had friends that were um, starting their forty fives and, and doing cafes, and I always found those conversations interesting. Uh, Nate Miles, who's a who's a really good football player, um, he was doing all that sort of stuff. So me and him used to go for coffees and just talk about business. And he used to talk about the Zane Rope guys because he was friends with them. Mm. And I just think Zane Rope was like the coolest brand in the world. Is that like Rich Penny and stuff? Yeah, Rich Penny. I yeah, know yeah, Rich. Yeah. Uh, like Rich Penny was a part of it, but the owners, Life Tis Tony. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just remember the hearing stories like, oh, they've just gone to like USA and LA. They're just there for a week and just meeting people. And I used to think, fuck, they're so cool. Yeah, what, are they yeah, going yeah. now? Like in June? Like while we're playing football? Or he's gone off to a meditation camp and he can't speak for three days. Like that stuff always just seemed interesting to me. And that's what made me sort of go down that clothing route. And obviously mm. I'm in a position now, when obviously I'm not as big as Zainrobe. Um, we're at their peak, but like I can do that stuff. Like I can go to LA tomorrow. I can like give free clothes to people. Mm. And obviously I've documented the whole journey for that as well. So um, that was always my thing. I just wanted to chase freedom, freedom to work on the ideas I wanted to work on with the people I wanted to work on and do whatever I wanted to do on my own time. Yeah. And then so obviously, like, I'd love for you to talk about, I think the thing that I, it shifted my perspective a lot from listening to and, and obviously watching what you guys do is that you're a content company and you focused on that first. I'd like to almost go back to the start of like when that was that a realisation from the start and you were like, we need to kind of take this road or it was kind of like we were in it 
figuring it out and then we realised that this was the next big thing. Yeah, we're probably about four months, five months in. So we just kind of launch and in my mind, I just go, all right, if we post on Instagram, like people are just going to rush in and buy it. And we're like, we kind of just set up a Shopify store and then probably the algorithm of Gary Vee, like he, he coming in one of his rants and I never heard of him. And obviously he's been a big part of everything I've got to do and I've got to meet him and shake his hand and sort of stuff like that now, which has been crazy. But um, he said, everyone should be vlogging. Like, if you're a brand, you should be vlogging. And he, I remember he brought up like Logan Paul and uh, Casey Neistat mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And a couple of years ago, like I was into photography. Like if you look at someone like Kalen Ponga now, like everyone praises him because he's into photography. Like I was into that very early as a football player at the same time. But when I was in England, we had to make these videos and I was a new guy in the team and they just made me the captain. So mm-hmm. I got to pick my side and then I had to film a video and edit it. And it just kind of come natural to me. And then I was just like, I was into, um, started watching like vlogs. I didn't have a TV at the time, decided to throw that away because I just wanted to be reading books. So at night time, I'd just be looking at YouTube and I was big into Casey Neistat. And mm. I remember th- there, was, there was like a moment where he pushed a product and because I'd enjoyed watching his content so much, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go buy that even though I didn't even want it. So that was just kind of like the wake up call for it. Um, I wish I went in a little bit harder with the content early on because at the time vlogging was the thing and I don't think vlogging's as important anymore um, but it was we started vlogging we'd done our first one Corey got a parking fine that was basically it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was funny um, and the second one he ended up crashing our drone and I just seen the engagement from it and then our sales picked up and I just saw this little thing I was oh this is it so we just become vloggers yeah 100% and I think like the thing that again like even just listening to yourself and and there was a moment where, uh, like you were saying like it's content first and like the whole idea around if you can get someone to engage and keep their attention they will buy from you yeah. and they'll buy from you purely because of the, like the relationship that you create with them and it, people don't realize this everything is content so like they used to say oh it's just because you're a sports player what's sports sports is content sports is entertainment you look at someone like uh thanks you look at some, sorry, business going on here. Um, you look at someone like, say, Harry Potter. Harry Potter's entertainment. It's content. It's just in a written form. You look at this. It's a podcast. People want to listen to you. So the entry point for anything in business right now is content. Mm. And you look at guys like Now Boys, who we get inspired by, Logan Paul. The types of moves they're making is just built purely off content. They're 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 on another level at the moment, aren't they? Those guys. They're, they've been around like I think like they've been around for twelve years. Like they started making content 12 years ago. So yeah. it feels like they popped up overnight. And it's funny, like sometimes me and Lukey, who you just met, like the ideas that we talk about behind the scenes, they end up doing them. But it's cool to think that you're on the same sort of thinking line as those guys as well. So um, I think we're on the right track. We just sort of need to hold our breath, take our time and pivot. Yeah, I think the thing, is, like again, like they're probably the testament of like you don't necessarily need to I know, and I know that's what was in my mind. It's like you have to be always talking about the thing that you're selling, no, right? And no. then, you know, I think from you guys and also them, like they're, they, do, you know, theirs is just pure content, attention, and then because people really like love them, like their followings, like cult-like, you know what I mean? Like mm. people love them that they, they've been able to, you know, I think merch is one of their biggest, that's their biggest revenue stream. And then obviously they've just opened alcohol um, as well. Alcohol. They've gone into supplements as well. And like we've had all these conversations with alcohol and supplement companies as well, which has been funny, which has been cool to see. But yeah, like if you look at 
entertainment. So in my mind, I see entertainment as like escapism, first and foremost, mm. entertainment or um, educational. So mm. those are the types of things I look into. So if you look at some of the biggest stars in the world or some of the people that you dive into, for me, it's Gary Vee. He's in, um, educational. Someone like a global rock a star like The Rock, he's entertainment. And like a lot of it's just escapism. Then you've seen the inclusion of like reality TV shows in 2008. And obviously the prime example of that is Kim Kardashian and the Kardashians and the amount of product they're able to sell in terms of comments coming from content then obviously with the internet and social media those those walls drop down where you don't need a tv company you don't need either go all right these guys are kind of entertaining mm. you can pick up your phone you can pick up a camera and you can upload to something like youtube mm. then you become a reality tv show then you become a star and then you see guys like logan paul and mr beast and all those types of guys really start to dominate because they understood the platform like it doesn't matter where the media is coming from as long as you can get attention you can monetize it mm, it's so it's so true Going back to like, I guess the early days then, like, is there anything, because obviously there's like the relevant stuff, like content, obviously it changes and what it was 10 years ago is totally different to now, but more from just like a pure business perspective, whether that be, you know, hiring talent, um, I don't know, managing cash flow. Was there anything that you guys did early on where it was like that click moment and you were like, oh, like this is, you know, you either seen it may have a massive impact, mm. uh, maybe outside of content and, but but like, you know, even just from like a, you know, maybe a management perspective, you're like, yeah, this is really where we're going to go. Um, I think, yeah, I'm still learning, to be honest. Like this clothing game's changed so much. So what I learned early on, is so if you look at clothes back in the day, they used to go launch summer and mm. you used to have this big like 40-piece collection and you roll into some, uh, winter. You kind of had two drops a year. And what you sort of found from content, obviously you're trying to talk outside of content, but um, people get bias fatigue straight away. So as soon as you drop something, people get hyped about it and want to buy it. Mm. Well, if they see it in two weeks from now, like they're not as enthused about it as well. So sort of understanding buying behavior. I think Facebook ads was huge. Mm. I was I was big into um, self-education and a few of the courses I've done were on drop shipping. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. So, so like I told you earlier about Bali, like the way I saw out getting myself getting seven to ten thousand dollars a month was through drop shipping so i was on i was on instagram and all i saw was like dog videos and girls doing dogs and i seen this american company selling dog t-shirts and i was like how do they do that so they jump on upwork and like instead of saying like send me nudes and like send me dog nudes and stuff like that so i used to have this guy on upwork who used to make all these t-shirts for me i used to get him like five bucks just for a design put him on the print on demand style and just sell him like that yeah started a, a dog page um had a video that went viral from facebook ads it was a dog it was a video of a dog and he had a hoodie on like this and, and someone was doing a tattoo for him but it looked like the guy was tattooing the uh, looked yeah, funny yeah, 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 yeah. and it went viral all the comments started taking off and the first thing I done like I went to the comment section like liked everyone got them to follow and I just started driving traffic towards that and I was getting like <laughs> like uh, Texas ladies obviously this is like Facebook advertising yeah, chat yeah, yeah. Texas ladies between the ages of 40 and 45 buying my dog t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> unless I was making money for a little bit as well but the thing I learned about that was like I had an alias as a customer service person so I saw that as a female business so I had a female alias yeah. <laughs> as a um, Gmail account and I used to reply in a female tone. So obviously learning about brand tone as you get on, but I was just doing stuff like that. And the thing is like, I felt yuck doing that. Yeah. Like I was making okay money. I was making 200, 300 bucks a day. Um, and then obviously not with all the right margins and shit like that, but I just felt yuck doing it. So I was like, oh, let me just focus on, so on something that's going to build brand for a long time. Mm. And obviously Facebook ads has been a big thing of how we've grown. Obviously it's a lot harder to do Facebook ads. You just need more money. But 
when I'm starting to talk around different businesses in my space and I look at their ad spend, everyone's just up in your ad spend or they're not being smart with it. Uh, do you think that that's like, are you, you know, in, is your headspace now that you're trying to move away from that? Not necessarily like it's going to be a pillar, but like you're, you're thinking that there's a new opportunities on the table? Um, there's always going to be new opportunities. We talked about like TikTok before. Um, I think podcasts is a space that's really going to grow out. I think it's that massive here in Australia just yet as well. I think influencer marketing is always going to be important. There's, mm. there's people on TikTok that are starting to blow up now that have never had a brand deal laid on them and they're starting to do... Um, they're starting to do shout outs for gifting, which is like very old school in Instagram, like 2013 or 15. And there's always just going to be new platforms that pop up. But I think the principles are always going to be the same. Yeah, 100%. I think good looking people are always going to be relevant, as harsh as that sounds in today's That's age. True. If someone, if a good looking girl's walking past, we're looking. And that's just the way it is. And people go, there was no like influencers before social media, but there was models. Like mm. there was Victoria's Secret models. And they've always been relevant. So I think the core principles of marketing have always gone the same. I just going to be the same. I just think platforms change as well. So we've 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 been in Instagram now. We've seen it starting to die down. The engagement's dropping off. We have to spend more money to get row ads and stuff like that. So we're like, oh, why aren't we spending all our time on um, on TikTok right mm. now? And we've moved probably our best employee over to TikTok right now. And people would see it as a minor job, but we see it as like this is the most important thing and where we need to be right now. Mm. It's so true. I think. And, and to be fair, if you're listening to this and go look at our content, it's nowhere near that. But from next week, there'll be systems in places, there'll be KPIs, um, there'll be strategy. And that's the important part. Yeah, 100%. I, and I want to kind of tick on that. Like, what's your, what are you seeing, like, from a, like a state of play point of view in business right now? Like, you know, what, you're obviously, I look at you and I think you've got a really great business mind. You know, how are you seeing the landscape for 2022? Like, you know, obviously we talked about TikTok, but, you know, you mentioned things before, like obviously when you first got into it, it was, you know, like Shopify is obviously going to be a big pillar. Like is, how are you seeing the state of play in, in business right now? And like, what are the biggest opportunities to come? Um, I think individual branding as a person. I think when I look at my consumer behavior, I don't buy anything off anyone that I don't know who the founder is. Um, I don't know what their content is. Even now and then I might like, I bought a Balenciaga, I don't know who runs Balenciaga, but I thought that'll look cool. I wore it, just felt the same. Um, I think branding is is key to everything. And like long-term branding, obviously Gary V's my guy. We just seen a big NFT little bubble sort of burst lately and all the things he was talking about has kind of happened there's been a gold rush people just doing little cash grabs you see people spending thousands of dollars of nft with no utility behind it i think that's always going to be the case when there's something new and there's money on the table people can come in and try and take it um i think long-term branding and individual branding is always going to be really important and i think it's important to understand who your founder is and where it's coming from and it's kind of like them old school values where like used to go like i go to the same coffee place because the barista knows my name mm. so it's like how do you create that humanized touch but at scale with the internet as well. And I know you can do that through like email marketing and do all the like little first name and stuff like that. But to create a personalized experience through technology so you can do that at scale, I think that's where it's at. What advice do you have for someone who's like, you know, maybe early days in business then and around building that personal brand and even the brand around the, the business, you know, like what, what would, how would you, maybe a better question. How, if you were starting from scratch right now, how would you do it? Um... That's a good question because a lot of people want to try and keep those things separate. And I know you talked about that off air. I think it's I think it's better when it's all encompassing. This is just my personal opinion. Um, I think documenting like people love a come up story. People love. Mm. And there was there was one time in my house when I was shipping clothes out where my power got cut off. My engine. I didn't have the money to um 
pay for a new engine and I was driving all my stuff down I, I built a good relationship with my post office guy that he'll come over with his truck and I'll just dump all the clothes over the side um, and I was kind of embarrassed right that time because people were calling me like an entrepreneur and I hadn't even made a dollar yet I was just putting it all back into the business I was working like days 15, 16 hour days <laughs> like f- felt like crying sometimes yeah. honestly like and everything just went wrong and I remember, and I'm running an internet company, so I had to go down to my garage and sit in my car, and there was a little PowerPoint there, so I used to just charge and, and build Shopify and Instagram and ship from there. Um, but I was embarrassed of that because I'd come from a professional sports ground, but that's kind of like the best part of my story now. And mm. I, like, I don't have documented proof. I can talk about it, but it's like when your dad talks about when he was younger and he had to work hard and work three jobs after school, you just don't believe it because it's not there on camera. So It's kind of like the Gary Vee thing, right? Like, you know, when he pops up his videos from like 10 years ago and it's yeah. him selling wine and it's like... You know, there's proof. Yeah. There's, there's proof in it. And I just think, just speak your truth because there's times I've jumped on podcasts and people have called me like social media guru and, mm. and business and like that feels yuck to me because I'm not that person and I think people really resonate with me because I'm honest. And I, I can jump on a podcast and people ask me a question and I'll just go like, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to put out content that I don't know about. So um, I think just being yourself and like truly yourself. Um, I know there's a lot of people that follow my content that will almost replicate the same things I say in like almost like the next day. Mm. And it's just like people always feed it back to me. It's like, it's like be inspired by people. And then once you sort of um, develop your own style, which sort of head off in your own direction, there's nothing wrong with being inspired by people like our business models, replicated off Gary V and Logan Paul and Nalk Boys and Barstool Sports which is a big one for us at the moment and I openly say like this is who we're trying to copy until we develop our own style then we'll just move in our own direction as well so Mm. I know it's kind of a long-winded answer but I think being yourself is always the best way to go yeah I think that's like I mean what I notice about the content you do here like you uh, and tell me if I'm wrong because I I probably will be but it's like 95% well like 95% you know, is all the real stuff. And then you guys are good at like adding, making it entertaining as well, you know, like, like play, not even that. It's almost like a hundred percent authentic, but then being able to play on that and then use that as content type yeah. thing. And I think that comes organically for us. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, like Jordan, who's a, um, like me and him just, we, we clash as it is and we clash as friends as well. And then obviously I've hired him as well. So that, that, that relationship's kind of mixed up as well. But, um, like we don't manufacture drama. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, and I, I like if you think about think about your favorite movie, your favorite book. If, like if you if there's a movie without drama, it's a movie that no one's watching. Like just imagine a storyline where like you meet the girl and you fall in love and everything happens and it's all great things and stuff like that. I think a lot of people get bored of that. So I'm, I'm not saying we manufacture drama, but when there is drama, we're, we're not afraid. Just to talk real, about like it. you're allowed. You let it. You let it kind of be there. You know what I mean? And it backfires against me, like. I have people that used to love me now, hate me now, because, um, and I say to them, I was like, I could, like, we've got a content house here, we've got all the equipment, if I wanted to, I could position myself to be the greatest guy in the world, but this wouldn't be real, mm. um, I go out, get on the piss, I like hanging around with the boys, I gamble like a little bit as well, and what I learned with football was, because um, we weren't allowed to be ourselves, whenever we're out in public having a beer, everyone's like, oh, you sh- should you be drinking, or should you be stuff like that, so um, as I left football, I was like, I just want to be... 100% myself because wherever I go um, people will go oh you're, st- you're the same person so mm. that's really important to me as well yeah that, I reckon that's like that's something I definitely struggled with early on especially with my old business and you know I was saying it before where I was like um, I felt trapped from a podcasting perspective mm. and I almost felt like I was probably 
yeah, maybe that's, a, I guess, a bit of internal growth for me. But it was like when I was doing all that, I thought I had to be perfect. Mm. And then, you know, I even think back now and just think like, you know, I feel like now I've got a lot more of that freedom, but it's probably more internal growth rather than the things changing outside of me or like needing a business or a certain type of business to yeah. do this thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't like perfection. So yeah. we, we talked about TikTok earlier. Like, you know when there's a professional ad on TikTok and it just fucking sticks out? Skip, and you skip, just, skip, skip, skip. Yeah, you just go, nah, <laughs> yeah, get yeah, away yeah, from yeah. that. I think that's how people see content now. Yeah. Like, it doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be manufactured in the studio with great light and all this sort of shit. The best sort of content right now is UGC, like user-generated content. So if you think of... Um, if you think of your content like that, someone who's authentic in themselves, I think people can relate to it a lot more. Mm, that's so true. Like I used to think about PTs and like they always look perfect and then someone told me, it's like they'll train for six weeks and then um, they'll do a photo shoot and then they'll change their shorts. So they'll do all their photo shoots in two days, they'll go to different locations and it gives them like a lot of content for it. And I was like, oh, that's actually really smart but that's not like real life. So like two weeks after that shoot, they're posting and they're still ripped up. I'm like what does this dude eat on like a cheat day? Like I'm more interested in that content. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's just me. That's just me. So um, I think just always being authentic. Like, and I've had a lot of people come up to me over the years and go, you, fuck, you're the exact same person in real life. And that, that's important to me because yeah. there's a lot of people that aren't. I think the, the one-to-one ratio is something I talk about a lot. Um, your one-to-one ratio means, hey, you're living on social media to real life. If, if you can get that as close to one-to-one as possible, um, I think you're going to be in a good place. Yeah, 100%. So... In terms of you guys and like the challenges, like you mentioned before, you know, um, you know about Simi and like how you guys clash and, and the management side of it. Because I feel like that's, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, like that's always the biggest challenge is like, you know, as you guys are starting to scale, the ability to manage the dynamic and, and you know, obviously that's probably more your role now is like how does this actually, how does this business function on a day-to-day and so on? Yeah, um, it's, it's kind of understanding that everyone operates in different ways and I've talked about this many times so we're like someone like Simi and Caleb very similar people very emotional um, if you start digging into this childhoods and stuff like that stuff starts to really make sense and um, it's a little, gets a little bit scary but like they're very similar where you kind of have to be arm around them you have to pat them on the back you have to tell them that they're good like Simi's like the pretty girl that you need to tell that's pretty mm. all the time for him to to really thrive and then when you do that his thri- he thrives where someone like, say, me, Chico, and um, Justin, we've come from sports backgrounds, so we talk very direct. And within sports, you get a quick feedback loop. So say if I miss a tackle, they score a try, and that's on me. So if the feedback loop is that quick where you're like, you get up, you look around, you got the crowd booing at you, and then you have to go into a huddle and look your teammates in the eyes, and then you have to go off the field and look yourself in the mirror. And then on Monday, you can, you're getting pulled up on that as well. So that accountability has really been important for us and, and our feedback loop between those boys. But then... Um, we talk very direct and we swear. So we're like, fuck, that's not good enough. Where if I said someone, something like that to Caleb or someone to like, um, like Lukey or Jackson, they respond to that in a different way. Where Lukey and Jackson, who are the other two workers, they've come from the workforce. They, they, they like direction. They like targets. And you kind of just give them a target. You're like, I need you to get us there. And they can get you there as well. So, mm. um, But you also... They understand like the world's perfectly balanced so if you, <laughs> if you think about this like school classes like for every smart person there's like a dumb person or for every great player there's a dumb player and once someone told me that the dynamic is always going to be the same within the workplace like you stop trying to judge everyone and you stop trying to keep everyone as accountable as the other person as well so yeah and and 100 correct because I, I mean again 
football background. It's very direct. It's like you said it before, like you miss a tackle, there's someone in your ear mm. on the field. You know, like sometimes it's not even it's not even waiting. It's like that's direct, but you, you get so used to that and then translating that across, like even for myself, like hiring and, and we're not, you know, we're not as far along as you guys, but hiring and, and starting to understand that dynamic of like I can be direct here, but over here I have to almost it's like it's almost like pulling, you know, getting behind someone, pushing them up, mm. and then being able to pull other people. If that makes sense. Yeah, like, I had a coach once. He goes, he said to me one time, he goes, "I don't know if I need to put my arm around you or kick you up the ass." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's and one thing I learned about, and I played halfback, which is direct teams. And one of the older boys told me, he goes, "You got to treat treat the Islander boys different to like the white Aussie boys. You can swear at a white Aussie boy because they don't care. That's how they talk." With the Islander boys as well. And I was very similar. Like you, you can't talk back to your parents, or else you get like a hiding. Mm. Um, so you never taught to, like, have that like dialogue of back and forth and back and forth. So when you spray them, they don't have the um, communication responses to come back to you and ask why. They just go like, "Oh, head down," because otherwise, if you talk back, you get a hiding as a kid. Mm. So <laughs> it's a little bit dark. But when someone told me that when I was like eighteen, nineteen, I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." So at the end of the day. Like your business is built on results and leadership's very different to management. So mm. leadership's like, I'm, I feel like I'm good at leadership. I can get all the boys around and, hey boys, fuck, get everyone excited. Let's go that way. Where management is like, all right, this group is going that way, but this person needs this, this person needs this, this person needs this. And I don't think I'm really that type of person because mm. probably, I don't, I wouldn't say I lack emotional awareness, but like this is how I've been raised. My dad is like, if you need, if you want to do something, go do it. My mom's like, Oh, I need to lift the town. She goes, why don't you just use your feet? Why don't you go walk? This is what I want to do. All right, go weed the garden. I'll give you five bucks. Mm. So that's how I've been raised. So like when people come to me with problems, I'm like, oh, just go do that. Like, cause that's, but they didn't, they didn't operate in that way. So it's been interesting. <laughs> it's hard. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's hard. Forever changing too, right? Like as, as the team gets bigger, it's like, you know, you just have to, it's like another, another dynamic. Yeah. It's just more problems. And to be fair, like these days I moan about it, but I wouldn't want to be in any other spot, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, and how do you, because like, I mean, you guys look at yourselves as a, as a content company first, right? So from a structure perspective, like I feel like there's always two ways that you can you can really go and then eventually you try to get both of these things to the, I guess, to cohesively work at the same time. But like you can always go brand first and really go all in brand and then, you know, like you still have a great product, but the brand is always that you're always trying to build one, build one, build one. But for, like, how does that change from a structure perspective, how you think about the structure of a company? Because like, there's obviously like, if you were to go into a large company and there's organizational charts and, mm. and like you've got management and then, you know, you've almost got like, uh, I don't know, like six pillars of business, like operations, finance, culture and team and then yeah. and management. And then there's like, you know, product, marketing and sales and type thing. But uh, I feel like, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I do it, like I, I like to analyse, but you guys have a bit of a different structure in, in a sense? Like in, in Yeah, it's it's a little bit loose to be fair. Like most, I've kind of hired my mates first and tried to figure it out and kind of hasn't really worked. And we're in those conversations right now. Where like, all right guys, like I've given this to you and like there's a bit of entitlement here. I'm actually looking around for new guys. Like I've had, we've had these conversations, we've had them this week. But like, it's kind of like the marketing conversation. Like as more platforms change, more things stay the same. Mm. And like as we start to grow, you go back to the core basics. And obviously we've got seven staff right in here. Once it gets to 10, you start to break off into little clicks. You start hanging around in fours. Mm. It's like you were back in high school again. Um, it's important to have hierarchy systems and someone who who 
they need to answer to. And the hard thing right now for us, and especially the working side, like this talent, this working, is that we cross across both brands mm. just because we don't have enough people. And it's very startup. And um, one one morning you're working on designs, the next part you're cutting up a vlog. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's not the best system, and I understand that. But I'm, I'm kind of just coming to the realization now that it's like this is probably not sustainable for growth. Yeah. Build on. It's not a solid foundation for us to go up. It's such a hard dynamic though, isn't it? Like, because at the end of the day, you know, start, that's how almost startups do run, but it's like, it's almost like a sliding scale, I guess, like, you know, trying to implement these different management systems, but then also understanding that you're going to have to have people doing hybrid roles and multiple yeah. different things at the same time. So I think you have to now. Yeah. Like, I think if someone come in and they're like, I can only do this, like, I wouldn't hire. Mm. Like, because you're just not, like in this space right now and something that's moving so quickly like content and and like we're pivoting from YouTube to TikTok you need to be able to pick up a new skill straight away I think it's um, I think it pays to have many hats on it mm. pays to be versatile so I think it's really important yeah amazing that's a good point I think that's really interesting especially because it's a content first world at the moment right yeah and uh, eventually we're like all break off and like all right you guys are gonna be sales and management you're gonna be looking for ads all right these guys are purely on yktr and, and the clothing side and these guys are just content um but like we we draw a lot of inspiration off barstool sports and erica nardine she, nardini she's really interesting to listen to and like you say you're having problems with like everyone's having the same problems <laughs> yeah you think you think these problems are unique everyone's got the same shit going on so and when I when I start to bring up my entrepreneur mates, same shit, staff, yeah, <laughs> entitlement, um, people want more money, people like you know what I mean. So it's all it's always the same stuff, um, and you just got to find those sort of mentors that you can bounce on all those podcasts or the books you can read, because I bet you someone's written about it before, talked about it on the podcast, and you sort of lean in towards that as well. So, but the other side of that is is like fuck, we've got a mad and we've got a mad culture here environment. Like yeah. it's fun. Like don't give me it's fucking so much fun. But then you balance up like do we take do we have a small crew and but you can only make this much money or do we make this much money and have a crew that's not as tight and not as balanced. Mm. And I walked into the offices around I walked in, um I won't say their names and stuff, but I've got friends who are in this clothing space. Walk in the office, walk around like, nah, this ain't it. Mm. <laughs> this ain't it. Like this isn't the vibe I want. So I read somewhere that Supreme, biggest sports, biggest streetwear brand in the world, have eight staff in their head oh, office. Oh, really? It's kind of like the Jeff Bezos thing, right? It's like, you know, if you can't Two be, pizzas. Yeah, <laughs> like I always think about that and think like almost like, you know, I know something that we're thinking of at the moment is like um, we've started like an agency on the side which can like service the podcast company. Um, but then like we've, that's just kind of like, happen really quickly like night like heaps of clients in the pipeline type thing but even the way i'm thinking about that is almost like the micro teams thing yeah like instead of having like a marketing department and it's almost like you have like a marketer that works in like one micro team so that like the client always feels like they're working with the same, same team person with yeah. that culture point of view yeah because i've got a um, digital marketing agency as well called dice digital oh, and yeah. like we we've moved very much like that so if you look after i think it was up to maybe five clients that's when we know to hire on someone else because yeah. obviously when you're feeding back and you're spending money on facebook advertising and stuff you want to deal with the same person mm. over and over again yeah but like i agree with that like i from an ego standpoint if like hey we've got 50 staff and yeah <laughs> like that sounds fucking sick it from, does it, from an ego standpoint, but then, like you think, all right, that's fifty, that's fifty wages I have to pay every four weeks. Super, <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and then there's like, there's like, I've got problems with eight staff. You times that, 
by way of five or six or whatever it is, mm. like it's just gonna be more problems. More everyone's going through shit in their life. Mm. We've had breakups, we've had mental health issues, we've had people in therapy here as well, and then they come to you and then they ask you for advice. Mm. So um yeah, I, I I don't think big is always better. Yeah, I mean it opens the I know, just a question that just coming to my head, but like the relationship between like margins and growth right like mm. you know like do you think that you you know I'd, I'd love for your opinion do you think that you necessarily need to sacrifice margin in order to grow or do you think that you try to improve efficiency <laughs> through the work that you do and, and try to keep the same margins i reckon start with the first with that one you just said there um like margins everything so we've upped our facebook ad spend probably about three four x per month you know what I mean we've spent more on Facebook ads this year than we did all of last year easily and the only reason because last year we didn't have enough stock to drive traffic towards to as well mm. so um, like I, I say to the boys I say it very early like I'd rather have us as a team and we all grow together and if we need to bring on people we will but there's always going to be more money for you guys as well there's never going to be a ceiling on your earning capacity mm -hmm. I want you guys to make more money and then do we build bonus structures and stuff like that um, and like people like that at the start but then obviously when it comes down to like the work side of it it's like Maybe this isn't the right person for us to grow as well. So it's a tough question. It's 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 your pick of poison. Like well, I say this all the time with some of the boys. Like if we want to walk down this path, we just don't get the things that go down this path as well. So I don't think there's any right or wrong answer. I just like where do you want your business to be? That's mm. that's the like do you want to be Jim Shark and try and take over the world and take on Nike and Adidas? Like I don't think I would want to be that. Like that seems like a headache to me. Um, or someone like Supreme. You got eight staff. <laughs> Yeah, literally the biggest brand in the world. Yeah, I, I think that's cooler, in my opinion. Like I look at guys like LeBron James, and he's taking his boys off him from his hometown, and they've all grown together. I think that stuff's kind of cool to me. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it just talks to like the fact that there's more than one way to skin a cat type thing. Like it's like mm. you know, there's not, you know, there's not one one path, right? There's like there's there's a million, and you know, I think, and this is the other thing, like around the structure question that I had before was like. Um, I guess like I look at you guys and think, you know, you, you're willing to create your own path and do it. It doesn't have to be like the 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 same way that say the best company did, but you guys are just willing to try and yeah, different I'll, things. I'll, I'll have a crack at anything. Yeah, <laughs> Like I literally come up with YKTR Sports when I was coming back from an Anne's funeral on a plane. I wrote down the business model mm. on a piece of paper and it turned out nothing like that because obviously COVID happened. Like we signed, we kind of saw us as making original shows like Complex and like they do sneaker shopping and hot wings. I, I heard the story of that hot wing sells like $20 million worth of hot sauce. <laughs> and I, I heard the comments, I was like, Oh, so in my mind, I was like, oh, what's the shows that we can make? I've seen this work for YKTR with me, Chico, and Norman. I'm only filming us three, and we were able to sell like a fuckload of clothes from that. I was like, how do I bring other people in and turn it into commerce as well? Mm. So that was kind of the business model behind it, and obviously we're still in that phase, and you're going up with people like Fox Sports and, and million-dollar budgets and tens of million dollars of budgets. And we just started with a couple cameras, and I think – like we sort of touched on earlier with TikTok, it doesn't need to be well produced anymore. It can be... No, it's dispersing. It's it's kind of like the... I mean, the, the Joe Rogan stat where he's bringing in, you know, I think it's like three times CNN or whatever it's it is. It's crazy, bro. It's ridiculous. And I think it just shows like... And it kind of really does prove like the back end. Or it kind of proves that media and everything really in, in the world right now is like decentralizing slash dispersing. Yeah, it's just... There's a... There's a like, everyone's got a chance... Like, everyone's got an at-bat now. 
Now, the things, whenever there's an easy entrance point, is it becomes like a Royal Rumble, it becomes like the gold rush. Then it becomes about skill. So people don't see that. Like, it's never been an easier time to start a clothing brand in the world, but then you you come in, all right, cool, you're going up against us, or we're going up against Nike and Adidas, you're fighting for that as well. So um, just because there's an easy entrance point doesn't mean it's easy. Mm, 100%. Um, last question, and then we jump into what we call, like, it's a segment, it's just quick fire, and it's just kind of like, you know, short, sharp, questions you don't have to answer. I always say this but then someone's like says three words and then they're like I don't know if I can say more or whatever yeah, cool. um, but if you were going to start a brand from scratch right right now what would be your strategy like what would you be doing um I always go <laughs> I don't know this is the wrong way to do it I always go marketing first mm. I always go what's the value I can give someone so we're going to move into probably activewear pretty soon um over the next six to twelve months Myers, like how do I reverse engineer that and it might be like I might, I might just have a dumb idea like like I've never seen like you know when you go for do you ex, you know when you go for a run there's nothing worse when you need to shit halfway through a run like yeah. I feel like that's a good, yeah. in my mind I feel like that's a good marketing campaign where um, there's someone across the road and you're that person like you were flying today and the only reason you're flying is because you're trying to get to the toilet <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, and yeah. Like, and, and when I'm going for a run I'm like fuck this would be good if you can make someone laugh you can make them do anything but then from that it's like what's the content looks like what does the community look like and obviously the product. And the experience, and that's the point I'm at right now is trying to, like, because we're getting new people in, it's like, how do we create that brand experience where they want to come back for more? And more so when they buy from someone else, it's like, oh, this, I don't feel the same about this. Because essentially, like, it's a fucking black hoodie. It's got the same holes, the same, like, it's the same shit. Different material, maybe, different brand. Yeah. But sometimes when you put it on, like, you feel a different way. It's like the essence of something, right? It's like, and I think that's why content's so important in marketing, because it changes the experience. Like, I've always remembered a saying, and it's like, you could have the best meal in the world, but if you ate that meal in a place that smelled like sewerage, yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't <laughs> enjoy it. No, no right? way. So it's like, I think understanding that, like, and, and humans, we, oft, we often kind of always go to the most logical answer or try to find that, and often we forget that humans are irrational. Mm. We don't make decisions that way. We make decisions no. emotionally, and I think, like, I guess that talks to how important marketing is. We had like, so last week we had um, Jess Hadsis on, who's like the founder of Frank Body. Yep. And like. Killed it on the marketing campaign. <laughs> mate, like. like <laughs> One of the, yeah, influencer the marketing. Crazy. Yeah. The depth they went to. Like she was saying, like talking about, um, you know, they were thinking about the experience and they were saying like rubbing, you're naked when you're doing it. So you're rubbing coffee all over you. And they were like, it's a really intimate experience. And at the time, you know, like when they started it, like, you know, now sexualization is normal, but back then it was like frowned upon. So like they were like, we wanted to not only just be different, but actually pioneer that kind of sexuality yeah, piece course, and stuff yeah. and as well. And that's when they started like taking the photos in the showers with like that yeah. kind of stuff. And then that, they, she was saying like that was completely manufactured. Like she was like, we meant that. Like we started taking photos with the hope that it would catch fire. Of course. Because, and but it's like the, the deeper meaning behind that, I feel like is like, that's really what marketing and brand is all about. Mm. And you want to be a little bit edgy. Like you want to point a difference. Like if you drive anywhere, if you look on your phone, everything's marketing. Someone's mm. trying to say you something. Every time you drive past like a signboard, there's marketing there. There's little mm. stickers everywhere. So you want to point a difference. And obviously they always say sex sells, which, but where's the fine line on that? And obviously in the, today's day and age, obviously a lot of feminism and stuff like that as well. So I think 
the right amount of edginess is is a great marketing campaign. I had a guy tell me on a night out one time, he goes, if you make a girl laugh, you can make her do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like it's the same with marketing. If you can make people laugh and make them feel good, or if you can make them think, or if you can make them escape their normal life, um, when it comes, everyone needs a... Everyone needs clothes. Mm. I said a hoodie's a hoodie before, but you, you still want to be warm. Mm. It's, did, you, did you watch the, um, what's his name, the Barstool president, um, Rob Dave, Point, Dave, Dave, Porter, Dave, Dave. Yeah. And, and it's funny, like, you know, um, even with his personal brand, how he, he's, he's obviously very controversial and mm. just kind of goes after people as well. But I think, like, even listening to him talk and the way he thinks about it like I was because I, I hadn't actually seen those guys before he's yeah like he he's a big part of everything that we do and um obviously his he's very confrontational mm. and conf, like conflict's important uh, in, in, not not important in marketing but we pay attention to it so if we're sitting here right now and, and the fight breaks out over there like we're not we're just gonna carry on talking we go like that we'll go, what's going yeah on? yeah yeah we go and um like you look at UFC fastest growing sport in the world that's built off conflict. Mm. So we pay attention to it. I know he buys into it, but that is who he is. And um, like, even though like, I look up to him and, and that sort of side, that's not where I want to be. I don't want to be going up against Fox Sports. It's just wasted energy mm. for me as well. But if you pay attention to what they're doing, very smart people. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Very smart. What they sell, ad re- like all their ad revenue, um, events, which mm. is really important. They just try and build brand, 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 and then monetize through commerce later. Mm. Eric and Adini is really interesting to listen to. If yeah. You're token CEO. Yeah. A uh, really good listen if you're into this sort of space. Yeah, crazy, crazy. All right, man, we're going to jump into quick fire now. Um, so, yeah, just don't don't hold back on any of the answers. There's no time limit or anything like that. Cool. Um, one piece of advice for your younger self. <laughs> Buy Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, literally. I reckon we could all say that. Did you get into it at all in, in the early days? Like, no, you know, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have the money to do it like I was fucking on my ass to be fair so spending money onto something like that was foreign like so far over there yeah it's the same as me I only learnt about investing maybe three four years ago I think everyone sort of goes for that question but one of my like um, I wish I'd left football earlier mm. like even though I was getting paid good money I wasn't happy in it and the way I sort of measure happiness now was like the first five seconds in the morning like am I excited to get up or not mm. and that's basically it so everything I do in life is is gravitating towards like was I excited to get up this morning? So I was. Mm. I'm excited to come here. So um, I wish I could teach my younger self that. Mm. Ha- like, I've made, like, I make good money now. It doesn't make you any happier. Like, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not, not ungrateful for it as well. But um, just keep doing things that make you happy. Yeah. It's like, you know, money's just the tool, that, like like you said, that allows you to do the things that you excite you. And yeah. at a certain point, like, you know, you know, you can do all of those things. So it's like just do more of those things, if yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. Like don't chase the dragon. Like my, my friend downstairs, like he got a G-Wagon and, and nice, he's probably got dollars $900,000 worth of cars. And I was just, we're having a chat and I was like, you literally can't really drive a nicer car than what you've already got. Maybe like, he, I think he's going to buy a Rolls Royce soon. Like something yeah, stupid shit. like that. And I was like, once you drive that, there's literally nothing else. <laughs> yeah, 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 literally. So, so you're pacing your happiness on material things mm. and it's not... Like, I don't know. There's always mm. going to be something nicer. And Caleb, who's a young guy that works for us, like his goals were like, I just want to have like followers. Mm. Like, um, like yeah, once you get to that amount of followers, you just want more and more and more. And it reminds me of that sort of Bob Marley clip when they like, are you a rich man? And yeah. he replies, he goes, like, what's rich to you? And he said, my riches is life. 
Like he doesn't value money as well. So I hear a lot of people say, I listen to Steve Bartlett a lot at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think he's really interesting. He said the saddest day of his life was when um, his company got listed on the stock exchange and is worth tens and tens of millions of dollars. I've had Mark Boris on here as well. Um, he made $500 million in a day. Like, well, he sold his company. He was sitting in New York. Um, he sold $500 million. I'm on the podcast. I'm like, bro, what'd you do? What'd you do? <laughs> and he goes, nah, I just had a beer and a pizza and went home. Like, <laughs> yeah, Fuck, yeah, it's yeah. a waste. Um, but if you got, like, the richest of the richest of the people saying that, saying that money don't make you happy and stuff like that, there's obviously value in it somewhere. Yeah, 100%. I agree. Um, so what advice would you give to someone who's thinking of starting a business? Um, I... I'd try and look forward. Like, I, I don't think clothing business is that innovative. Like, I know we've had like 250, 300 people start clothing business for an online course. Actually, Timmy done my online course and, mm. and started um, Front Runner. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think a cool business is light. Um, so, on, I make more money from selling online courses than I do running YKTR, and it's just me. I could hire someone right now and they could do that. I feel like there's light businesses. We're in the information age right mm. now. Best thing to sell is information. You think of podcasting, I think podcasting is really cool because the bigger you grow, like you don't have to do a longer interview. Like if you do an hour interview and you get 10,000 views right now, then all of a sudden you get 100,000 views. You don't have to work any harder. Mm, so true. Yeah, so I, I like to look at business models like that now um, where it's light, it's free, um, and it's not based on your time it's a little, little bit left of center this this is but it just kind of triggered in my mind like how do you think the the the, the integration of say blockchain starts to, to wait not not from an investment standpoint but actually make its way into business um i think like right now is to really to say what's going to happen in terms of like what type of industry you're in right now mm. i think it's going to be really important so let's just say like metaverse for clothing right now so potentially instead of you jumping on your phone looking on you can have a headset on and walk into a virtual store and you might see a virtual me there and you can try on all the things and, and it matches your perfect body shape and stuff like that i think that's how it's gonna integrate um it's a hard one. Yeah, eh? it's a hard because it's so broad yeah. right now and it's a little bit of the unknown. And like we said, like I'm not saying there's an easy entrance point into blockchain, but um, with business, like we talked about with clothing before, but the, the good ones are going to rise and they're going to figure it out mm. and they're going to build. Where if you looked at social media, if you think of social media as a blockchain, everyone built businesses on top of it. The people that killed it are the ones that are investing early. So they got in early, they invested in Facebook and Instagram. They made the money. So then you build out the platform of social media and then what do people do after that? They build businesses on top of social media as well. So we're a business that's been built on Instagram and YouTube and stuff like that. Now we're going into Web3 where blockchain's like the new social media. So the people who killed it are the ones who invested into early as, and then it becomes like a land grab and it's like who can build the best business on top of mm. it. But I do like the decentralization of, of everything. I love the sort of transactions and stuff like that. Um, I, I don't have the answer and I, and I wish it did because I think we'd be rich in five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd be yeah. rich in five years, but how, how do you see it? Oh, man, I've been back and forth on this. Like there was a period of like four months ago where I was like, we need to be there. Yeah. And then I kind of was like, mm, no. we need to just back off a bit. Like, because it's, again, it's like, we just don't know. And I know that's not the reason you shouldn't do it, but I just had this feeling around timing is going to be really important. Time, timing's everything, yeah. Mm. So, like, um, obviously, if you've got fuck-around money that you can play around with, it's okay to be in that sort of space. Mm. And, um, you know, Gary V always gives us... It's like trying to buy um, land in Manhattan right now. And, like, obviously, if you bought a house in Bondi, 
50 years ago, you're worth a yeah. bit more money now. So if you've got that type of money and you, and you can do that stuff, you can play around. It's really interesting. From a sports side, and obviously I gravitate towards sports, I think um, the NFT play is always going to be really huge. And it's going to be huge for individuals as well. So you, you, we talked about what's important about starting a brand right now. We said individual branding is, is super exciting. I think you're going to see a chance for much more athletes to um, brand themselves. So you, you might launch a thousand... Um, token NFT every single year. All right, this is my t- 2017 one. It costs um, 250 bucks, and there's a thousand of them. So obviously, there's 250 thousand you can get into your system, and then with that 250 thousand, you can nurture that mm. um, community. So you're like, all right, we're going to do merch drops. All right, you guys already bought, so here's a discounted one. With this money, we're going to donate it to a charity. You know that type of stuff, and then you'll start to get players care about the individual brand more. Mm. more and more and it brings more money into a system and if you're an AFL player they if they're smart enough they go alright we'll start to clip that ticket as well so we'll take 20% of all those sales but you guys have to drive all that stuff for you there's just going to be a lot more money coming into the system and like we touched on before it's about individuality like um, I walk around Bondi and there's all these dogs and they've got their like names on the side of their things and I'm like fuck that's cool I want that for my dog and it's about trying to provide a personal experience for that and I think that's what blockchain can really, really do. Yeah, it's so interesting. There's a guy named Scott Galloway. I don't know, he's a business guy, teaches like brand at like a big university and he's a real pessimist. So he's like, metaverse is a head fake. He's like, all this. And I was like, "Uh, okay, like I don't think so. But I think he made a really good point. He's like, we've already got a metaverse. It's just not virtual at the moment. And he he talks about Apple and the App Store. And I kind of feel like that's what it'll be. I feel like we'll eventually get to a point where a business will just be like a micro economy and whoever can create the most value will win. Mm. And cause, and I almost think of it less more like in the information age with like Facebook, Instagram and stuff, it was always about how do they trap you in Yep. instead of, and I feel like blockchain flips that on its head and almost goes, it's not about trapping you in. It's about creating enough value that you want to stay in. Yeah. Cause I think blockchain allows you to move to these different, like if I, again, like if, if, if it does eventuate to go to micro economies, you know, the block, what the blockchain does is it allows you to verify your identity to get into yeah, those places. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. if you're going into that, like they can't stop you from leaving because the reason you don't leave Facebook is because it's connected to all this other shit. And, you know, you've got to create different accounts for every single social media that you kind of go into and passwords and, mm. and all that. Whereas, you know, I think with blockchain, you own the identity. And then it's almost like, I think about like, you know, you know, those movies where it's in the future and you like you walk up and it's like scanning your thumb. That's cool. It's yeah. kind of like that, yeah. but instead like all the data's with you instead of that company. And then, so then my mind just goes to how do you create enough value within your micro economy to, to keep people in instead of creating barriers to stop people from leaving? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it'll always be like... like even though we're going to move towards like the metaverse and stuff like that, human behavior is human behavior. Yeah. And w- whatever that happens is like whenever you get in cru- crews, you start to sort of collect things. And if your crew values, if you're a girl, you value handbags, the virtual handbags going to be things. So you're always going to be business models in there. 100%. Or we're guys that love Rolexes. Um, there might be one virtual that's been verified on the blockchain by the actual Rolex company and you've got it. So you're the man within that crew. Mm. So even though we are merging virtual, it's going to be the fucking exact same shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, yeah. it's going to be a land grab. Two, it's going to who can pull the best business on it. Three, it's like how do we segregate the rich people from, the, oh, we've got money so we need to be in here. Look at Board 8 Yacht Club. Like they're like, they're, they're kind of the like cool guys right now and they can only do things that they can do and it makes them seem like a little bit better. But in terms of social status, like, and, um, Status signaling, like in the NFT space, they're the coolest guys right now. 
Like it's almost as cool. Like I'd rather have a board eight yacht club than a Lamborghini. Mm. Like for me, what would you rather have? Um, yeah, uh, definitely board eight. Yeah, hundred like percent Lamborghini. Hey. I'm just not a car guy, but I, I mean, knowing what I know and and what the future is, and that's what it is. Yeah. So we've got eyes towards the future, and we're like, oh shit, we've got something really cool right here. It's going to be bigger and bigger in the future, and you want you one of the OGs as well. Where like Lamborghini is cool, but. It doesn't, I mean, like, yeah, and I think that's where the value creation actually happens because we live in a virtual world, right? So a Lamborghini, you have to drive down to, like, you know, Chapel Street or, like, that's Melbourne, you know, Chapel yeah. Street. It's, like, to be seen with that Lamborghini and then that's what makes people become aware of you. Yeah. Whereas with the Bored Ape, like, you're in the virtual world and, and that gets you access to the network that you're looking for. So... It's it, like, if you, look at the, if you look at, like, Instagram, like, the guy standing in front of a Lamborghini, you kind of look at him like... Is this guy insecure? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah. You look at someone on board ape and they've got their profile. You're like, fuck, that dude's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was ahead of the game. So, like, I don't know. It's going to be heaps of cool things. But hum- like we said, human behavior is human. And nothing's going to change. It's just going to be virtual. We'll make the same mistake. One one thing um, I think someone would, would kill off, and there's probably already stuff for this. When I put an Oculus on, have you ever put one yeah, on Yeah, crazy. I get a fucking headache. Oh, really? So if if you if someone, like, say, like, probably Pfizer's going to figure this out before everyone, they're like, oh, what's the motion signaling tablet that's going to help people spend more time in, with the Oculus on? So, like, I start thinking about that. Like, where was the problem? Like, I, I don't spend too much time on them because it fucking gives me a proper headache. But in saying that, like, I used to get a headache looking on my phone in the car, and I don't get that anymore. So maybe mm-hmm. there's an adoption period, so someone's going to kill it doing the motion sickness tablet. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sold on... I actually am not sold on the Oculus. Like, I'm actually thinking, like... I actually think augmented, like, Apple will come in and just crush. Like, because I feel like the Oculus will be great, but it'll be like a PlayStation. Like, like a play... Like, Oculus will be great for gaming and, virtu- and like, the, the virtual side of Events things that we need to stuff. do. Yeah, but I feel like, you know, like, humans... As much as we, we, uh, we get addicted to that stuff, like, some of us are just not going to want to do that mm. instead we want to be like apple where we can actually integrate it into our life a bit more like you know i, I don't know like i've seen apple are creating the, the glasses where you can integrate your virtual world into your your day-to-day where you're actually moving around in you know everywhere I, that's that, that's gonna ha- i feel like that's gonna happen anyway mm. like look at the first ever tv like look what we're recording with cameras now you couldn't do that like no. you used to have one of those my dad used to walk around for camera like this over his shoulder so everything starts big and it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller so i think that's gonna happen i think it's just tough to bid against zuck Man, see, I'm the opposite. I reckon they're done. I called it five months ago on a pod. I reckon I just don't – I can't see a business that relies heavily on advertising revenue Mm. being able to make the transition into the Web3 space where that's not going to be relevant anymore. Because I just don't think – You don't – so you you reckon when we're going to be walking around the metaverse, there's not going to be a fucking billboard up on there? You don't need to, more importantly, in my opinion. Mm. It's like because you – like – you don't like if you think about it, right? The reason podcasting or like content, social media went into advertising is because mm. they had no other way. Because the only way people would engage in content was because it's free. So you then have to monetize through advertising. Blockchain kind of takes that away because you can monetize through a social contract with your community. Yep. Yeah. Like, so even like podcasting, like, who's to say that that won't be instead of going to a big company? You can use you can do, do micro advertising through NFTs through your community. Yeah. 
That so makes like, sense. But like community would still be subscription based. And if you look at like, you know, the freemium model of YouTube where like if you're not paying for the premium model, you're mm. still going to get ads anyway. I, I, in my opinion, I still ads are always going to be relevant. Yeah. Because there's just going to be too much money in it for people to turn down. Mm. There's going to be too much Bitcoin in it. So we'd be walking around this little place right now. If someone goes, hey, here's 50 Bitcoin. I just want my fucking billboard up there. And it gets, instead of... Like on a normal street, you're getting 500 people walk past. We're getting 2 million people to come yeah, through. It's like, it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's sometimes hard to turn down money. And I, I, think, the, I think the same rules apply out here is going to happen in there. Yeah, yeah. I, I do agree. I think, yeah, I think maybe if I was to like rephrase, it would be more like a sliding scale. Like you'd probably just have to be less reliant on it. Yep. And then... And that's, that's important. So like we look at, like you look at our business model there, like one thing I learned pretty early on is diversify mm-hmm. how you get money into it. Yeah. So we were very reliant on clothing and we were very reliant on like, all right, we do big drops. So your money goes like that. You come in and you might go a couple of weeks without any money. It's not a really good business model to build. Mm-hmm. So like, all right, how can we add different revenue streams into here? We've got subscription models. We get ad revenue now. Um, we get a bunch of different talent who can make clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start doing events and we start getting paid for that as well. And then we have our merch on top of that as well. So mm. it's, yeah, I think it's important, man. Yeah. It's Time gonna will tell. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It, 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 this, even just like, you know, what we were talking about, this, the Web3 space will probably be... There's always going to be something Six to months in time. Who knows what the fuck it'll no, do you know, So when, when we go into this virtual world and you want to buy the virtual dunks, you can't just not know that from anywhere. Like you have to do some form of advertising for people to know or else they don't sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. So when you got Nike and Artifact, combining up together unless they market to you outside and Instagram and social media because it's always going to be important not everyone's always going to want to go into there mm. um, but yeah I think advertising is always going to be everywhere yeah yeah true um, we'll get back on to this um, so what's the what's the biggest watch this space for 2022 for us just in general like you're, oh. you know from a, like what are you kind of like this is it you know like a, oh, not a prediction but you know yeah, I, I still think this NFT space is really exciting, like we touched on. And like I always go from like a personal standpoint on things I know. Mm. I think that the cross between sports is the really interesting one. So you, you look at like AFL's got great fan memberships and you're a member, you get a seat here. Um, we'll give you a fucking lanyard. And you walk around for lanyard, you're like, hey, I'm a member, I'm a gold member. I think the evolution of that's going to be really interesting. I think something like virtual reality tapped into like, all right, it's... Richmond have just won. There's a guy in the team song and, and they're walking around and stuff like that. If you want to join to that, put your glasses on, double-click your Apple Pay and for an extra 15 bucks, you can stand in the circle. Mm. And obviously the stuff's like a fucking long way off and and the sports, like NRL, fucking so useless and behind them. They're not, I don't think they're even thinking about shit like this right now. But I just think that's going to be it. I mm. think it's going to be NFT. Same shit, right? NFT, content, community. Mm. That's it. That's yeah. all. those are the main things, in my opinion, that help businesses grow. You look at Gymshark; they build their community. They give like free programs and shit away. I think it's just the same game, rinse and repeat, just different platforms. Yeah, hundred percent. What do you think? What do you, what do you look at? Um, I'm still watching the NFT space. I think. I think for me, it's just like I have the feeling that I'm just looking for when it goes more into mainstream adoption. Not adoption, more like business models. Like we use it at the moment and it's kind of like up in the air of like you can do anything with it, but I'm more like how does it work its way into ticketing and, um, you know, things like, um, 
Do you know what we identity can- licenses like you know i'm like property you know uh, yeah. like stuff like that i'm like okay because I, I, I almost think we tend to always overshoot on things that are current on what they're going to do in the future mm. when when i think what i'm looking for is more mainstream like you know i talked about it before like something i'm thinking about is how does it how does nfts make its way into sponsorship and advertising that's the biggest thing i'm looking at just because it's 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 relative relative to you so but, yeah mm. i think it's almost the same thing where like um you think of sponsor, sponsorship packages there's bronze there's silver there's gold it's like all right we built that into the system and and they buy buy off that because i talked about this with sports people before where someone like a Kalen ponga who's mm. probably the most marketable guy in our competition maybe besides nathan cleary it's like oh if he had a gold nft and they're worth 100k and this is the utility you get from him all right he's going to market your um car dealership twice mm. a year and like you know i i see it like that and probably a little bit different for us because we're on a smaller scale but um I, I think you take what's physical right now and you just move it into virtual and i think it's the same game like the same thing we've talked about this whole conversation is like whatever's happening out here is going to be happening in there mm. and it's just how do you repackage it and put it into the blockchain and makes it everything a bit more seamless yeah 100 percent. what's the number one f- trait that you think a founder must have to succeed Oh, resilience. <laughs> uh, as fun as entrepreneurship is, fuck, it's like so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. And I used to like, at the start when everything was fun and was, everything was relying on me, I was like, fuck, this is mad. It gets the cruise around like it does. But like, in these times, you need to be resilient there. And it's like, everyone should be an entrepreneur because this is the best thing. But now I'm sitting there going, nah, like there's easier business models. We touched on earlier, like information age. We're in the information age right now. I, it's a lot easier to sell information. I mean, podcast is a form of information and entertainment. Mm. It's a lot easier. So I'm starting to gravitate towards business models that can scale very quickly with minimal effort and minimal staff, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you said something before, which I was like laughing at. And it's like, especially when you're doing content, right? Everyone's like, oh my God, it's going so well. Like you're crushing it. And it's yeah. like, mm, I fucking made a dollar yet. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? And I feel like that's fucking entrepreneurship 101. It's like, people almost glorify just starting a business in, yeah. and, and they kind of don't associate, they think like, oh, you've got a business, you must be successful. Nah, yeah, I used to think that too. So like um, like when I grew up in my town, I was like, oh, he's got a business, he must be rich. Yeah. Yeah, but like I, I listen to Naval Ravikant a, yeah. a lot and he talks about like entrepreneurship, it's like you bleed every single day, you keep bleeding, you keep bleeding, but over time, like that little graph, when it goes up, it goes up and there's no obviously earning or selling on your earning capacity, but um it takes takes a special type of person to bleed every single day. Yeah, hundred percent. It's like it's it's much easier to. No, I, I don't want to say that, but it's like, of like a, a something that resonated with me when I heard it was like, it's much you can build wealth much quicker getting a really great paying job, mm. but the ceiling's always there. Whereas always. the exponentiality, you know, comes into it when you own a business, and and it's like a bell curve. It's like you know. If you look at someone with a job, they're going to build wealth, you know, on a linear scale. But mm. like businesses like this, and then you start to see that kind of that bell come at the yeah, end. Yeah, sort of that flywheel effect, sort of chat. So that makes me sleep better at night anyway. Yeah, That's why yeah. I keep grinding. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Just get, and like I like I started podcasting probably about three four, three years ago, and like I didn't get my first ad, and I, I was getting very early on. I was getting like five six thousand. Five to ten thousand, because no one was really doing podcasts. So mm. I was kind of like the new guy on the scene um, on each episode, and that was almost from fucking day dot. So, um, and I, I didn't even know how to monetize it. I didn't even know it was a thing. I just wanted to interview cool people as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I like those. I think podcasting's fucking mad. It's one of my favorite things to do. And 
if I could do it every day, I'd almost throw the rest away. That's what I said. So when I when I was, I was talking to you before, I was like, you know, if there's one thing that I can do for the rest of my life, and it and and I just get to do it, I'll do it. You know yeah, what I mean? So yeah. like, I'll always have this show, probably regardless of, you know how big it gets because it allows me to do what I'm doing now. Do you know what you know it is, bro? And the thing I really liked about podcasting early on because I used to go like, oh, hey, can I come have a coffee with you and, and like pick your brain? And I get those conversations all the time. And then someone broke it down. I think it was Naval where he goes, yes, yeah, so if someone buys you a coffee for an hour of your time, you're literally saying your hour's worth $4.50. So if you put a value on your time, so my value on my time used to be like a thousand dollars that I made up in my head. If no one's going to give me a thousand dollars for it, I wasn't going to do it. But... Ego comes in. Hey, I want to come talk about you. Talk about your journey. I'm like, yes, yeah, I'll sit down here and talk about it for ages. Now I've got a relationship with you. Like you can come back, or I can go to you. We can fucking go have a coffee and go have a conversation. So I think the networking aspect of podcasting is probably the most exciting thing, and the long tail of it as well. So we've got our podcast here. You get your five micros. You post it on. People just leave that. But now there's a relationship here as well. So I don't think think people neglect that. Yeah, that's the best thing about it, in my opinion. Just mm. the networking. Like I've met people that and learnt so much like it's like continuous learning to getting different perspectives on things that I just love especially about business like I could t- I could sit in here and talk business all day but it's so interesting just seeing and it's probably been my biggest learning is that like there's so many ways to do this thing oh yeah of course yeah and like like in this space there's different clothing like there's probably about five or six different clothing brands all very different business models like we drop every two weeks I know people that drop twice a week but they break it up like there's Mm. heaps of different ways you can do it you you quickly figure out that like you said there's not only one way to do everything Mm. last question so we like we're actually trying to create the ultimate diary for a founder yeah so and I know you're in I know you kind of have a a system that you use in terms of just managing your day and kind of your productivity and stuff like that like I guess it's like if if, is there something missing that you think a diary should have or is there a certain element that you're like this is an absolute must um so you're trying to put a whole diary together we're just trying to find the right dynamic so like we're kind of like tools of the titans where you interview people and kind of Put your things right in. Yeah, get like something together. And we're trying to more remove it because I feel like the thing for me, like I don't want a diary that I have to write fucking a million things in. It's going to take me 40 minutes to fill out. But it's like, what's what's the thing? You know, like for me, it's like finance metrics for the company. Like I feel like just being able to write that every week. I know we have like our, you know, like the systems and zero, but in just a diary that I can put it there and just review quickly. Yeah, Um, that's cool. Like my when I'm the most efficient is when – like, I know people call it like moving the needle or high profit actions. I think that's, like, as a business owner, your job is to keep your um, business in business. And the way you do that is cash flow, and cash flow is oxygen. And the finance is really important. It's mm. probably lessons, our biggest lessons they've learned is when we haven't been able to pay attention to cash flow yeah. and everything fucks up and, and China and boats and you got invoices. And this has happened to us, like, two weeks ago. So um, that's important. Um, but that when you come in the first day you try and solve your biggest problems first that's whenever I do that I'll get to sleep a lot better mm. and it's not uh, it's hard because we do heaps of fun shit like oh let's make a vlog let's go fuck around let's let's go talk to someone cool um, it, as good as that is for branding it doesn't always necessarily correlate to sales and sales is cash and cash is oxygen and oxygen in business is everything yeah 100% mad what was the best answer you've heard on that Mate, it's new. We've only been doing it for five, six weeks. And to be honest, it usually catches people a little bit off guard. It does, yeah. um, It threw me off. Some people don't use them. Yeah, like, like, you know, a lot of people are more just like meetings. Boom, boom, boom. Um, 
it's funny when you hear people start a business, but like none of them talk about numbers like straight off the bat. Nah. Like so, when the boys pitch me ideas, I'm straight on the calculator. Oh, like, how much does it cost? Like blah blah blah. All right, you're gonna be selling this to make this and sort of wake up to them pretty quickly of like why I won't be doing it <laughs> oh 100% and I think that's like you know you, you only learn that through experience yeah. right like if you're an you, you go into business with an idea and then you quickly try to piece it together as best you can and, and cash flow and, and just numbers in general if you're not already comfortable with that is one of the hardest things to grasp I reckon in business it's like numbers always are bro numbers like if you step on a scale like that's confronting because if you haven't stepped on one in six months and you haven't been doing your thing, that's accountability. <laughs> Numbers always accountability. Yeah, it's so, so true. you look at your P and Ls and there's those brackets and it's in red. You're like, oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. We're not going to be here for long. So yeah, that's a good thing about numbers. They don't lie. Yeah, and that that's kind of comes back to that question before of like margins and growth and the relationship yeah. there. Like, I feel like that's always a tough one. Like resources, allocating resources to a particular strategy, and I feel like. You just get better at that over time. Like you said it before, it's like, okay, that's probably not worth it. Mm. You know, it's not going to get us the, it's not going to push to where we're actually trying to go. And, and like, this is an interesting one because we're in content now and now we're trying to hire talent. So like, I'll look at the boys' numbers now and I'll be like, all right, cool. This is how much ad revenue we're getting off. This is how much we're paying you. This is how much we're getting off the merch. This is how much we're paying you. So I start to go, and then when they start asking for more resources, they're like, oh, how come Luke, he's not working on our stuff? I was like, bro, because there's, there's no ROI on it. So... Understanding these lessons now, as we start to scale, I think it's going to be really important. Mm. And clear-cut KPI. So, say if we bring on talent, right? All right, we're going to commit to ten shows. Um, if we don't get to X amount, CP, it <laughs> sounds fucking ruthless. Um, but it's like that in content, though, man. Like it is. It, it, yeah. well, the, the thing is, is like I feel like, you know, I was saying it before. Like we did a, um, so we did the finance one, and we cut that. You know, like just we had to cut it, and it was like a two. It was a decision made in a week. Yeah. And then there was another one we did, right? And it was like project startup. We called it, and it was like bringing someone in, running a competition, and then helping them launch their first product. Kind of like a Shark Tank style. Kind of, yeah, yeah, but not. We didn't do the Shark Tank version of it. We just did like the building of the product. Yeah. And trying to connect them with the right people and film the whole thing, and like we fucked up on it, I think, but not. Like, it was more because it was so niche and we did it, like, with, like, a boxing app. Mm. And, like, um, we went down that route because we thought, like, the guys were funny, that they're, they're cool and they could do it. But then it was, like, we just realised how much of a fucking beast it was to actually do. Yeah. And the second it didn't perform at the level that we thought it was would, I was like, nah, we can't do that anymore. And mm. I literally, like, we, sh- we filmed the whole thing and only ended up releasing two episodes. Yep. And I was like... Like, you know, I look back and I was like, you know what? At the time, I was like, nah, fuck it. Like, we just can't do this. You know what I mean? But then I look back and I'm like, fuck, like, we put so much into it. Yeah, and, like, like you get the long-tail growth off that eventually, you know what I mean? Like, you've put all your time and effort into it. Now, now you've got the skill, to, skill set to look at someone and go, no, nah, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, like, like, some of the boys, like, I think some of the boys just set some far-fetched goals that just don't make sense. So, like, send me, for example, I'm like, well, what's your KPI for... He goes, I want to get like 50,000 downloads per episode on YouTube. I'm like, all right, cool. Like no one's, I think I've got that like twice. He goes, I want that on every episode. All right, cool. So, so what's, what's, the, what's the strategy for it? And very soon you hear the, <laughs> like the awkward silence and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Don't get into business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those things, isn't it? It's, it's not as not as pretty as what it looks. Yeah, yeah. And like entrepreneurship's cool. And I always hear Gary Vee like, talk about it but then he always says like um i'm a firefighter like i'm always putting out problems and like last year we i feel like more like a therapist and 
like an entrepreneur last year and you kind of fall into that category especially in startup phases right now we don't there's no war between me and the boys right now or we have an operations person so <laughs> if we honestly had a reality TV show based around like everything that had happened it would fucking blow your mind yeah 100% yeah, and I think about that too because we're in content like fuck yeah, yeah. you guys have got a good dynamic too. <laughs> yeah. I would fucking watch that, to be honest. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you a few things off the air too, yeah, so yeah, fucking yeah. blow your mind. Yeah. Um, mate, we're going to wrap it up. That was great. Thanks I, so I, I loved it. Um, for anyone that hasn't watched your stuff before, where can they find you guys? Um, so YKTR is, you can find us on YouTube. We used to do weekly vlogs. We're kind of pulled away from that as well, but you can see the journey from there from 2017 to now. Um, the growth mm. in terms of production value. I don't even know if it works, but it looks cooler. Um, you can find me personally um, at IICE underscore on Instagram, slowly moving towards TikTok. And I've got a podcast called The Ice Project as well. So I'm starting to get back into that next week, but there'll be a 300 catalog there. So go back, have a listen. And There's some good listens in there. Yeah, there is. There is. I rate it. There is. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me on, bro. No, man, I appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny, for putting it together. And to all the listeners, once again, just thanks for all the support. Really appreciate it. And hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks, bro.